0: Welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. For the online broadcast network that features movie discussion, news, and interviews, press 1. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. I'm opening.
1: We have an eye, part of a nostril, two teeth. One of the teeth has a small cavity. Close call, folks, but I think we got here just in time.
0: (laughs) Presented by Maria Menounos and Kevin Undergaro. This is Anatomy of a Movie. In-depth discussions and breakdowns of various movie titles. And now that you've seen the movie, let the dissection begin. Hello,
1: Woo! I was waiting for this music. The one song that I really, really recognize in this entire movie because we are here (laughs) to talk about Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. It's more commonly referred to as WTF. Yes, which is, you know, a little little fun and of course that's because it starts Tina Fey. So this movie was going to be about bringing the fun to a war zone reporter. Me As here. you do. Yeah, of course. I'm Sarah Stratton and I'm joined here by writer, producer, professional geek is what we're going with. <laughs> that's how I build myself. Zach yes. Wilson. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. You normally join us for a lot of comic book movies, all sorts of stuff, but you're just a movie fan in general. I do other things
0: here, Sarah. I don't know. I think you pretty much only do comic book things there. I mean, like, it is my niche, <laughs> Yeah, but it's not the only thing. We covered
2: Anomalisa, which I feel like branches out of territory for both of us. So.
1: <laughs> and that is the voice of Jeff Graham, who is a writer and always here with us at AfterBuzz and the studio as well. Thank you for joining us. I don't know if we've ever done I don't think we've hosted together. together yet.
2: I'm trying to think. I've covered with, like, Lauren and Rock. This, I feel like Sarah Stratton's a big face at Afterbus, so I'm honored to be hosting with oh, you. Oh, thanks.
1: I feel like I'm such a small face, because I always come <laughs> in and I'm like, I only do the movies.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: so we are going to be talking about this movie. Here, if you're new to watching us on the Popcorn Talk Network for Anatomy of a Movie... We like to break down the film. So we don't just go in and try and like criticize and give scores. We really want to break down how these movies were made, what went into them, production, casting, what worked, what didn't. Of course, our general opinions do get involved. (laughs) So at that point, we're not completely, you know, unbiased. But let's get into some quick thoughts on what this movie did. Jeff, do you want to start? Sure,
2: yeah. Um, I was very excited about this movie. I've been tracking its development for a while, because I really like Tina Fey and Robert Carlock in general, which we'll get into more specifically. Um, but I liked it overall. Um, there were I had a couple... There were things that disappointed me, but that's probably because I went in with really high expectations. All that being said, I did like the movie.
0: Um, I, I went in... I don't know if my expectations were necessarily measured, mm-hmm. but this is i really liked this movie um i thought it was well written i thought tina fey did a great job with the with this like the acting she was getting i have some more thoughts on that but uh, that we'll get into later but i really thought that they nailed this story and managed to make a very watchable comedy drama in a very intense setting and it never felt like it was too far one direction It. I, for me, it found the perfect balance between the two.
1: And I think that's what they were going for. So for yeah. for them, I think you were like, what they wanted to hear from the audience. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um,
1: for me, we've been talking about, I've been talking about this movie for a while um, on my other show, Box Office Breakdown, and I had, I have to admit, I was not very excited to see this movie. Mm. Um, just based off, and, the, and I'm a Tina Fey fan, I just looked at this, it was for some reason... The marketing was really bringing up memories of our brand is Crisis, which Sandra Bullock did last fall that didn't do well. And I was just like, ah, I just don't know. And there's been a lot of war movies, especially about like Afghanistan or the Middle East. And I was like, is this something we've seen kind of too much of right now in film? Has it been overloaded? I, can't, I feel like the industry has kind of been transmissioning more towards, like, drug lords than... Mm-hmm. Cartels. Yes, like, that's kind of the new focus. Yeah. So I was like, is this is this kind of uh, behind schedule? Should this have come out a while ago? I hear you. Um, but I saw it, and I did really enjoy it. I thought that... I had been hearing some negative things this w- about this before going in, and I thought that the comedy aspect that they added to this war zone was done very well. Um, for me, it wasn't laugh out loud, but it was funny, and it also it had some really strong moments of heart for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there were some, some plot points that they included that I was like, that's really interesting to talk about, or I really like this relationship. So it had some good points. Um, if I'm going to pick a Tina Fey movie, this isn't my favorite one of hers, but I like where she's going for her yeah. career.
2: What would be your favorite Tina Fey movie off the cuff? I know that's not fair to ask that it's, question, but...
1: The problem is, I will go with Mean Girls. I think I would too. It, it's, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. And her involvement in it, and her character in it, I just, I love it. I, I also love. It. Did
2: you guys see? This is where I leave you.
1: Yes, I, I love that
2: movie. I, there was a lot of that movie was kind of polarized, but I
0: really that might be my favorite. TV I liked movie. her
1: in that movie. Mm-hmm. I did not really wasn't a huge fan of the structure. Of that That's moment. the
0: thing is like I don't know that I've seen. I'm a a big fan of Tina Fey, Mm because like 30 Rock is one of my all-time favorite comedies, but I don't know that I've seen a ton of her movies.
1: I mean, she is a very well-rounded entertainment professional. She is. And I think that's also part of the reason why this movie got made. We can get into a little bit of production, Mm -hmm. because Tina Fey doesn't just... Stand in front of the camera. She's also a writer. She has done everything from TV to comedy to movies. And in this, she also took on her second role as a producer. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. The first
1: movie she produced with Sisters came out this past December, um, obviously with her good friend Amy. Lots of laughs, but this was her, her second one, and then she brought on her mentor, uh, Lorne Michaels, SNL. He produced. He doesn't do a ton of movie producing. Yeah, right. well,
0: it's like a t- it's like Tina Fey. As soon as his name came up in the crowd, <laughs> I was like, "Well, yeah, right, of course."
1: Well, and a lot of people involved. You have the writer who she's been partners with for ten years. Right. All these people.
0: Yeah, I think actually. Robert Carlock's name on this is what got me in the theater. Same here. Um, well, actually, I
1: haven't...
2: Yeah, because he's been
0: attached to the script since last summer, so that's what really got me excited, yeah. too. Yeah, well, it's it was really that, like... Because Tina Fey's done other movies that, mm-hmm. like, I haven't, like, rushed out to see. Like, I will watch Sisters eventually, but I wasn't, like, rushing to see them in theaters. Um, but Robert Carlock, I respect his writing so much from right. the television that he's done between, like, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and 30 Rock. Mm-hmm. It's just like, yes... I will if the two of them paired together as a team, that's what I want to see. Like I believe this will be quality because of those two people working together.
1: But they did work together obviously, but this was a separation for them. Going to Harlock, they normally write together. They're yes. writing partners mm-hmm. and he really took this one on on his own. Yeah. This is his screenplay.
0: Yeah, but it's still even if he wrote the script, it's mm-hmm. still I wouldn't. I wouldn't know what to do with this if Tina Fey's name was on the script.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: just because, like her brand, like her brand of comedy in terms of mm-hmm. writing is so specific and like not dark, not dark like this mm-hmm. at all. Um, I've never seen. I don't know anything from Robert Carlock solo enough really. to say
1: that he couldn't be dark. Yeah, but he but, wrote. It,
0: um, he has solo credit
2: on the Thirty Rock episode Cooter. I don't know if you remember that one with the the gay bomb <laughs> and like
0: <laughs> that's. Oh, I did not know that he yeah. had, he wrote that particular episode. But that was says when I was like, so much.
2: I know. I was like, right I want to follow now. the career of this writer because this is just
0: too brilliant. Like that, it makes yeah. sense when you kind of put those pieces together. Yeah. But even just creatively, to to mm-hmm. those two people working together, because he know, I, I think really what it came down to for me is that he knows how to write Tina Fey. Right. He knows how to write for her in mm-hmm. a way that is really why I think her performance was was on the point I was on point in this movie was not because like she did anything so big and amazing like oh give her an Oscar nomination I don't know that she did anything that really would warrant like that mm-hmm. but every scene that she's in is perfect Well, Kyle
1: has pushed about he really because he knows her so well. He knew how far he could push her. Mm-hmm. And like there exactly. were scenes as a person where he was he was worried about kind of giving her that last scene where she goes and she's talking to the vet who has been injured and she feels responsible for. But he wanted to push her there and felt that how that situation was handled was she could be dramatic, there could be some comedy to it, there could be some truth to it, but he's not pulling a, like, tears and breakdown scene from Tina Fey.
0: Yeah, and that's part of what I think was so strong about the script was... Mm -hmm. He knew what he was. He knew who he was working with. He knew what she was capable of. Put that into onto the page, and it worked. Yeah, it it just worked in all facets for her. Like didn't push her too far, but it pushed her into places we've never seen her.
1: I agree. I think, and I think that. How do you guys feel about teams consistently working together? Because I think it kind of benefits films in certain ways, and sometimes it can take away. I think you can, for instance, in this movie, we had. We had two teams, really. You kind of have the SNL Thirty Rock team of Lauren and Dina and everyone, and then you also have your directing team, right. Which has worked together. Um, I'm going to get everyone's name right in my, you know, packet <laughs> of ten no- billion notes. But you have because I has want talked to. You
0: wise. He has.
1: <laughs> He's really taught me, but he's over taught me that I have so much now <laughs> that I'm like, well, now While I you to sift get through that date night was things. a
0: great Tina Fey movie, by that the way. It was a great oh, movie. Date night. Okay. I haven't seen that. Movie but this was, this was fun. Time. This is
1: what I want to get to. Directing team was Glenn Ficarra and John Rickwa. but they so they've directed and wrote Focus, which had Margot Robbie, who we see in this. I didn't know they wrote Focus. Huh. He, According to IMDb, I'm sure, I know, I'm sure you're uh, right. (laughs) I just didn't realize. And then they wrote Bad Santa, which has Billy Bob Thornton, who we also see in this. And then they directed Crazy Stupid Love. So they have a team. They're set up. So you have this team going in for directing, and you have the SNL team trying to combine and make a reporting movie.
0: I couldn't help but see the the Fargo team with Billy Bob (laughs) Thornton and and Martin Freeman. (laughs) That's
1: true. Everyone kind of seemed to know each other. Yeah, and we'll probably get even more into that in casting. But they bring about this movie. We have to also talk about how this is based on a book. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. most people know it's based on a memoir. The Taliban Shuffle, Strange Days in Afghanistan, and Pakistan by Kim Barker. They did make the choice to pretty much remove Pakistan for the movie. Kim gave up the rights during development. Tina had found this book, liked it. I
0: love love how she found the. (laughs) book. I do, too. Do you want to explain? Yeah. Yeah. um, She basically said in an interview uh, that she only found the book, and this is the quote here, in, an, in the New York Times review of the book, Michiko T- Takatani, the, uh, the, the mm-hmm. reviewer, said, Oh, Kim writes herself like a Tina Fey character. And because I'm an egomaniac and a jerk, I was like, I'm going to read this book. It's a character <laughs> like me. <laughs> it's such a Tina Fey thing to do. She you like,
1: can admit it. Somebody,
0: comp- yeah, and to admit it. Like somebody compared her to Kim Barker and was like, you're like this person. I'll read
1: She's it. Like, then. then I can read it. I sure. would, too. I if I was, like was as powerful
2: as Tina Fey and Michiko Kakataka, I can never say her name, but <laughs> that New York Times reviewer said that I was like a character in this book, I'd be like, hell yeah, I'm reading this book. 100% just <laughs> okay. Not but, only, go ahead, Phil, what were you going
0: But This is the second instance that this has happened, happened with Daredevil, um, so I think people just got to throw in random uh, actors that they want into reviews and just get them cast that way. Yeah. I think, you mean, <laughs> dead, I think <laughs> you mean Deadpool. That's it. Correct, um, Zach. Just Ryan testing Reynolds. you. Thank you. <laughs> it would be this so interesting. This is why you are here. Yeah. <laughs> See, we knew that we were depending upon I'm that I'm proving you right. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: but we do. So she, they find this book. It. Um, she goes into production. She brings. And they, as we talked about writing, we have they changed a lot from the book. But that was completely with the blessing of Kim Barker. She gave over her rights and was like, "I understand you have to make this into a movie. I understand that you kind of have to craft a story around that." And was okay with it. And we've seen a, there's a lot of based on true stories. And normally you have some polarizing divisions. Either some people are like, well, the family was involved or the people were involved from part one and had approval on every single note. Mm-hmm. Or you have, We're not gonna we're gonna kinda hide what's true and false and make it malleable and maybe we shouldn't even base. And this does, hey, this is the story. But we're not gonna make it completely real because right. we're gonna try and make a movie, and everyone just acknowledges it up front. So I wanted to know what you guys thought about some of the choices they made. number one, one of the biggest ones was they changed her character to being a TV, TV reporter instead of a written reporter. do you th- I think that that is a big working choice. It makes sense right because yeah. then you already have the medium involved.
0: Kim Barker was not happy <laughs> about that. you see that quote? What
1: was the quote you um have
0: it. yeah she she said uh that's fine. I'm not going to complain about that. I think they tre- uh, kept it true to the core of the book. Oh no, wait, that was a different. As you I was like, "This isn't that bad." Uh, that was, was like, a diff- was totally like, different quote. Um, if
1: you if you can find. Oh, she said
0: we hate that as print reporters, but I get why they did it.
1: Was
2: that on Fresh Air that she said that? I was. I think I listened to that interview.
0: I, I don't remember exactly. Okay. I think I found it on Detroit News. Nice, but she's
1: never been compl- like against the movie. She's liked where it went. She understood why they cut out Pakistan. That was another part. Yeah. Margot Robbie is a complete completely fictionalized character Mm -hmm. that is not part of her story they use that as a foil for tina fey um and then a big part of the importance of the script was her relationship with her fixer like that was a true component and for me it was a relationship that really worked well
2: me too in
1: in the script and i'm going to get the actor's name christopher abbott christopher abbott i'm a he completely transformed in this movie. I know,
2: blew my mind. It took me probably 30 minutes and I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's Charlie from Girls." He was I know we're probably going to wait to talk about casting and performances, but as a preemptive thought, he was amazing. I thought his performance in this movie was so strong as Fahim.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, I no, think, was great. I think we can kind of actually get there because it was a really strong relationship. Mm-hmm. And it was a relationship that they did focus on from writing, from Kim, from truth. And I think it did last really well. And to center on Christopher Abbott for a little bit, I think there's a couple of big points. I'm sorry, I'm a big fan of jumping around. Phil normally leads these. And I'm like, <laughs> we're going to start there and keep going. Sorry, all right, let's do it. But Christopher Abbott, f- first of all, completely camouflaged. If they're going to say almost anything about makeup and hair in this I did not recognize him either. I know. But he also has controversy for being whitewashed. That's out there. And it's a main relationship for the movie. So I think those are. Oh. oh, What are you hunting? No,
0: the the, the whitewash, like hit, like Fahim.
1: So they've come out. People really look at, f- criticize films for who they cast yeah. in, in a racial way. Oh, no, it's way, a big issue. Way. Like, yeah.
0: I mean, and and we just had gods of Egypt. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, just, it's just non-stop. <sighs> but Whiskey Tango's Track has got its own criticism for it. The two people that have been pointed out are Christopher Abbott and also Alfred Molina. Right. Both of them play... People who Mm. are not of their actual race—one's English, one's mixed—and Tina Fey has had to come out and make a couple comments about it because of her role as a producer. She was had a lot of advice in casting, so she and they knew that this could be a problem. She even to the point when Chris um, Christopher was cast. Chris was cast. She did almost want someone else. She really asked the casting people. Is there anyone else who we could get who is actually from like Afghanistan or has that racial background, and they really pushed for Chris, and then she was won over because she said his work ethic was so amazing because he really was putting in this research because he was doing so much. Yeah, and it's one of those ones where, for me, the thing with with the whitewashing argument is I think that yes, you do want it is more helpful to have people. Of a certain race, play their race because it helps with believability. Yes. But with both Christopher and Alfred's roles, I believed them. I know. I did too. I really did. I really did believe them. So I don't want to punish them for not being that race. But I was like, but for me, it really, really worked. I did believe them in all the roles they did.
2: If you're making the choice to not cast an ethnically true character, Mm -hmm. that 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 uh, actor really, really needs to bring it. I think it's really important. Um, because, of course, the problem is if you bring on someone white to play someone ethnic and they don't put in a good performance, you're really validating the criticism that yeah. you need. And, like, I think there are examples when it has been an issue. But I will say in this movie, especially Christopher Abbott, to me, I'm not sure I was as sold by Alfred Molina's performance. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, it was... For anyone... It's another example would be like I don't know if you guys have seen Transamerica with Felicity Huffman. Mm-hmm. Like she is obviously like a cisgender woman playing a man getting surgery to become a transgender woman. But her performance is so good that critics couldn't get upset cuz they were like if the job is to create, a, well like what you said, if the job is to create a believable character, that's mm-hmm. what acting is. It's transforming yourself to play mm-hmm. someone. So you can't really criticize an actor if they yeah. accomplish that task.
0: I guess the question becomes at that point Where's where is the line? And Mm -hmm. I think that's what that's why people get into such trouble about this is that where is the line? Like, Mm -hmm. is it okay to cast uh, a white person as somebody who's half white or half like like? But that's what I'm saying. Like, it's it's such a messy situation. I think it does have to come down to what you're saying. It comes down to believability and like how well do they capture? Because like if you go to the other extreme, you're doing Tropic Thunder, yeah, uh, with Robert Downey Jr. But like. (laughs) The, uh, I really liked Alfred Molina in this role for um, me there's kind of I thought he did a good job
1: there's two yeah. tests the number one test is believability acting wise strong performance so like emotionally engaging connected to number one number two for me there is one where if you held up just a picture of that person and said this person is this would I believe you or or wouldn't I if you hold up a person and you're like this person is Pacific Islander and they do not look Pacific Islander to me I'm like no but if you have a picture, I could say, oh, yeah, I could see that. Mm-hmm. You could make me believe that. Then why shouldn't you be cast? Yeah,
0: Are you referring to Hermes?
1: I don't know what you're talking about. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. But, I mean, it's just something that, I mean, I'll break by. I'm, I'm, I'm mixed. And a lot of people don't. Believe it or they'll, but they'll tell me they'll also say that I look things that I'm not like I've gotten that I'm like French and I'm like, I'm no French, I don't know what you're talking about. What are you bringing to the table,
2: Sarah? I'm curious now. What does a French person look like? I know.
1: Right. <laughs> um, I'm half Hispanic and half white. Okay, yeah. So a lot of people just think I'm full white right. and then, or, um, and then I meet other people who are like, oh, I totally think you look Hispanic. It's just who you're talking to. Right. But advocating for myself, if I I should be able to play in a Hispanic person because oh, yeah. I'm part Hispanic. But I also think that since I've gone to Italy and people tell me I look Italian in Italy, that I shouldn't have a ban against playing Italians. Right. Like...
0: Yeah, I mean, and it gets a lot blended. Like, I'm part Armenian. Mm-hmm. So, like... I just the that alone, like I've gotten Italian before. I got Puerto Rican once, that was weird. See,
1: like, but if you get it, don't you <laughs> think you should be able to play it? Because you're like, well, people have told me that.
0: I mean, that's so I, I mean, I think you nailed it on the head. It comes down to believability mm-hmm. and just like if you're not just changing it over mm-hmm. to something that it's not, you're not changing the ethnicity of the character. And that's, I think, the big difference. Yeah, yeah. because like there are movies who just decide, well, that's not important to this character, so we'll just cast the most famous face that we can. This was, we cast the best actor, and that actor became that character. Mm -hmm. Like, Alfred Molina became this Afghani politician. Mm-hmm. And Chris... Uh,
2: I agree with Chris so, Adam. I don't know if I agree with so Alvin Molina.
1: So I feel like we're getting more into story, right. well, more well, into I'll, cast. We can expand from here. Let's talk about Tina Faye, Margot Robbie, Martin Freeman, our core characters, and how they really interacted in this movie. Do you guys have any favorite characters or any favorite relationships or least favorite character's I
2: didn't mean to cut you off earlier. No, no, no. I want to hear it. Yeah. um, If I'm talking performances I loved, love Tina Fey's performance, actually love Margot Robbie's performance. I thought, it's funny, I feel like when she first came on the scene, I guess Wolf of Wall Street was really her Mm -hmm. breakout role, right? I feel like people really wanted to box her in to kind of this young newbie, how did she get this role? But she's proved herself time and time again that she's a great actress. And I think sometimes in Hollywood it can be tough for, like, insanely beautiful bombshell women to be taken seriously as performers because people like to just kind of treat them as a sex symbol a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Oh, no, 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 you're fine. But she, I think time and time again, has proved that she's the real deal as an actress.
1: She has a very strange age fluidity for me. Yeah. Where I'm like, I can't, like, I know how old she is. She's, I believe she's about to be 25. Come on. Yes. Yes.
2: Screw her.
0: Phil,
1: Phil, you are an art. our engineer for us today, is there any way you can look up Margot Robbie's I'm doing age? It right okay. now. Okay, because I'm... I, I will
0: look up her age. I think she's 25. She was in
1: 1990. Yes. You're right. She's... Yeah. Yes. Exactly. See, she has this age... 25. Thing. Thank you. She has an age fluidity right. about her where she is co-starring or she is starring with people like Tina Fey holding the mature... like. This one maybe not as mature. Well, I but would have
0: said Wolf her character rate. in this was probably thirty-five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And she played yeah. that believably. Yeah. But like now I think about it, if I go back a few months to uh, the big short, like she looked like she was twenty two. Yep. Yeah.
1: She's twenty five right. years old. You gotta old. see her in Z
0: for Zachariah. That was good. good. That's that's really
2: telling she's of 25. her acting chops.
1: So she she's doing very well mm-hmm. to her okay, now let's talk about her relationship with Tina Fey in this how it was utilized, for me it did a little bit of something different where it did have your women bond from the get-go yeah. instead of being rivals mm-hmm. from, the, from like, first eye contact, which to me was pretty, sort of nice. Did you guys see her, being, like, her turn coming? mm no.
2: That surprised me. Okay. Yeah. Which I like. I was glad I was surprised by that. Mm-hmm. Um and it was a it was a cool choice because I think a, a lot of times to your point movies will pit women against each other then they eventually make up. And this movie's like no, screw that archetype. We're going to have them start as, start as friends and then not mend their relationship. It's a very real
0: life situation mm-hmm. like for anybody, women, men, whatever, it's you you befriend somebody and then life takes you in a certain direction and it splits you apart. Yeah. And you're not always <laughs> massive professional and, betrayal and but
1: producer choice by Tina Fey that they would be friends from the get-go just because it was two women surrounded by men she figured why wouldn't they be friends yeah Yeah. you don't have very many other people (laughs) um then we have her Tina Fey's love at first what she thought is going to be a triangle but that just isn't a triangle with her bodyguard and then also Martin Freeman's character who's the freelance photographer how about the love angle of this story work for you guys
0: um, it did actually. Uh, I think just on the strength of these two actors, really. Like at first, it, it had a good flow to it. Where at first you're like, "Yeah, he's a jackass. Like mm-hmm. don't don't hook up with him. He's just a weird like little Scottish guy." <laughs> um, but then you you sort of you get to know him, and like you get that sense that like he is putting on that tough attitude because of where they are. Like mm-hmm. he does betray it. So when he talks about the cottage and everything, like that he is not, like, a, just a all-around, like, hardened person. He has this softer side, and this sort of outlook on life that I think is why he resonates eventually with Kim, hmm. is that they they both have that... There's another life to this, but they're so in this world that they can't imagine being anywhere else.
2: I, interestingly... I wanted to love this subplot and something about it, and it's going to be hard for me to quantify what exactly it was, which I know is not necessarily fair. His name was Ian, right, this character? Mm -hmm. Yes. I I had trouble getting on board. I had trouble kind of, like, shipping Ian and Kim in this movie. And I think part of it is it kind of felt expected... For, like, the douchey jackass guy to eventually attract the woman. Like, kind of neg her and bring her in. I feel like we see that so often in rom-coms. Like, he
0: negged her?
2: I don't know. He was kind of... <laughs> it just felt like something I've seen over and over again. And I, I sometimes have trouble believing that in movies when, like, this guy is kind of, like, a passive-aggressively treating a girl poorly and that's, like, sort of what attracts her.
0: I don't... But here's the thing. W- negging is, like, intentionally, like, tearing down a woman to, like, somehow make them, like... Did you that, say, like,
1: maybe light nagging? I kind of felt and, like he was no, doing I that. I, don't know.
0: I disagree, because that was more just treating her like he would treat any other person. Okay. And, like, you... Especially, like guys love to just rag on each other you mm-hmm. make fun of each other yeah. it's not about like being a mean or anything it's friendly yeah like i had to learn the line of that when i like first got into college it's like not everybody gets that humor mm-hmm. but that's his style and i think again it's about protecting yourself in an intense situation as you have yeah. to deflect anything even remotely bad you have to or any or good like it's all at risk when Mm -hmm. you're in a war zone like this Mm -hmm. so like picking on everyone for their little quirks is just a way to to diffuse the humor to diffuse the tension right
2: yeah yeah that's and that's kind of his mo like you're right that was sort of the way he just that was his who he was i guess i just it didn't seem it felt weird to me that kim did eventually kind of fall in love with him and we did see another side of him but I guess because there were so many things that this movie did for women that I loved, like I feel like this is a really strong feminist movie, which I would expect from Tina Fey. Um, and it's the thing I loved was it wasn't like in-your-face feminism. Tina Fey's feminism is so it's so important that it's just like women are people. It's just like women are in the mix, you know what I mean? It's not mm-hmm. trying to. I don't know. I just felt like this movie was a really good movie for women, mm-hmm. and I felt like it, her falling in love with him made me step back a little bit.
0: It would have if... I I think it would have if he had, like, followed her back to Washington, D.C. It just, like, became a love story. But because their story didn't, like, wrap up in a neat Mm -hmm. bow, like, falling in love is part of life. Yeah. That's just part of how we are.
1: I'm kind of in the the middle of this, because I was fine with her, Kim and Ian's relationship, Mm -hmm. and there's... And I was happy that it wasn't the star relationship for her.
2: Right, yes. I
1: was happy that, like, this wasn't a, oh, I totally want these two people together. But I kind of liked that it was a war movie, not about a love story. I like, she had, Tina Fey has a lot of Kim and other male, two male relationships in this. Mm -hmm. You do have Kim and Ian. Then you have Kim and, like, the military, a a whole, from officers to generals to soldiers you have all of her relationships there and then you have also her relationship with her fixer and if i was going to prioritize which ones i liked most it was with the fixer number one yeah i thought that was the most authentic and and just the most engaging and had all these weird little like thoughts about like life and relationship and how touching is looked at in that culture and how...
0: Just cross-cultural connection. like
1: Fantastic. It's pretty
0: beautiful. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I agree. Like, as much as, like, I, I liked the relationship between Kim and Ian, I thought Kim and Fahim was the... It was the star mm-hmm. pairing because <laughs> it wasn't about, like, and that's the thing it's like I didn't mind the love part because it wasn't like the focus. it's about her falling in love yeah. in, her, in Afghanistan and like no it's just a part of her existence there yeah. but even more important was the fact that she made a connection a strong connection mm-hmm. to somebody who is completely from a different culture they, they fed off of each other mm-hmm. like she gave him tips from oprah and yeah. he helped her with everything that she was going through in this new world and I liked that she how they just into. tried
1: to like they were communicating enough that they were connecting but it wasn't transformative for the other person mm-hmm. like neither of them were really trying to make the other one assimilate completely in their culture or take on the other culture's values it was like i'm very respectful of your values but i also care about you so i'm we're gonna make this relationship work
0: it was little things like Mm -hmm. she came to respect what he believed Mm -hmm. and he came to understand stuff like feminism by the end of it where he (laughs) like the touch was like a very small just like i like i acknowledge you like we are connected thing but like even just in the car whether he's talking about his two kids and he's like the daughter, she is stronger. Yes. Like that, that's such yeah. a little thing, but for somebody from that culture to say that, that's a big deal.
1: Mm-hmm. And um, to capture that on film, yeah, and like have that be a story point, It's yeah. really, really nice.
0: You guys are like nailing it for me, and I think you're
2: also showing me another th- problem I had with the Kim Ian relationship because I loved the Kim Faheen relationship so much. Was like because I think when you describe the movie as Kim's relationship with different men in different groups. And Margot Robbie. That really was the movie, was how does she assimilate and interact?
1: Well, the movie is, how does this woman figure out her life mm-hmm. or move forward in her life? Yeah. And it isn't... You don't get that she has a goal. Right. There isn't, oh, I'm going to be a star reporter by the end of this. I'm going to be reporting from New York. It's, no, I just need to escape and find something new. You're right. That's the story.
2: <laughs> um, Totally. And so I think what I'm realizing now is that like her relationship with Fahim felt so true and like beautiful and her relationship with Ian felt like a little movie e if that makes sense and i kind of wish the movie would have either gone like very naturalistic kind of like neutral look at her experience or like gone for the really movie-y structured script stakes, goals. And I feel like by making the choice to have Fahim's relationship feel very true and Ian's feel kind of movie-y rom-com-y, I was a little bit confused, if that makes sense.
1: I would say that of all the relationships... That I looked at with her, I thought that most of them really made a statement or point mm-hmm. or point to a theme. Whether it was about cultural acceptance, whether it was about um, when she's operating with the military and you're kind of getting that what is the acknowledgement of power and how things work. When you have her dealing with Molina's character and kind of like where's the line. Of corruption.
0: Yeah. I have a bed in my office
1: Uh, now. That's probably (laughs) past the line. (laughs) Maybe a
0: little bit. Margot
1: Robbie, it's like women working together versus against each other. And then you don't have as strong of a statement to make about Ian's character. Yeah, There's not as, like, if I were to gain something from that storyline, it was that love is just a part of life. Yeah. And things come and it comes and goes, and for me, that's why they could have that end scene you have where they're both face face and face on the TV monitor, and they're having an interview across. I was like, this should be an after credit scene. Hmm. Like, I I wanted that to kind of move because it wasn't as important for me. It was interesting, yeah. but it wasn't. Well, that like
0: was the just for me. That was about that mm-hmm. life after the war, like their lives continued, mm-hmm. and like. They didn't again, it's not the super Hollywood story, like where yeah. they like he rushed over to DC yeah. and like interrupted a news broadcast With to rose exclaim. On his one love. Knee. No, all we got was just a little smile. Yeah. And like, sure, we'll have coffee. Um <laughs> But I think that their relationship and the way that it played out was very much about how like it's just like more how like when Kim first got there and um what was Margot Robbie's character's name again? Uh, Tanya. Tanya. Yeah. Yes. Um, and when Tanya uh, said, "Like, oh, here you're, a, you're a ten, and I'm a I'm Oh, a 15, the four 10. ten
1: four, Yeah. And, uh,
0: <laughs> that yeah. or whatever
1: that rule was. Yeah,
0: I think I think that was it. Something cool. like that. Um, but that applies the same way to Kim's relationship with Ian, where like when you're in a situation like that, where like most of the people around you are off limits in a way or are just not you're not going to connect with them because of the cultural clash or the fact that you're they're working for a rival agency you're doing the same job or any number of these other factors it's a when you work together with someone and they all lived in the same complex for three years like i don't care how much differences you have if in like would have in the real world mm mm-hmm in the kebubble, um, like, you're gonna find somebody that yeah. you're attracted to. That's just human nature. That's a good point, Zach. And when she saw him, like, defend her to Mr. Canuck, yeah. uh, whatever his name was. Mr.
1: Non-Kiwi, actually <laughs> yeah, Canadian. That's
0: really funny. <laughs> um, are you American-Canadian? <laughs> um, like, that was, she was just like, all right, I like you now. Like, you're not all just bravado, like, being mm-hmm. a jerk. Like, there's. You're willing to stand up for what you believe mm-hmm. in. And, like, yeah. And that guy was sort of a weirdo, too. He's like, you
1: want to yeah. go on sex? Well, like, he was, he's
0: just straightforward. He was with just it.
1: one of the. Trans- taking this movie and not making it a criticism or something about war, you're but right. rather a. Comedy, like, we were just chuckling over saying one of these jokes right on our panel. Um, I don't know if this was a laugh-out-loud movie for you guys, or if it was. I laughed out loud like a
0: couple times. Like, not constantly. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like I was, like, uproariously laughing. But I, like, I, I, and I wasn't, like, dying of laughter. But I laughed.
1: Yeah, there was a few. There was
0: a few
2: really funny scenes. I think I wanted a little more comedy. I... This is, again, probably an issue of expectations. If I'm going in seeing Laurentina Robert Carlock, I think I'm expecting to laugh more. And this is probably a fault of my own, because I should have just taken a step back and tried to absorb the movie for what it was. But I just... I wanted a funnier
0: script. Okay. Personally. Huh. Yeah. I didn't think... I didn't think well, for, especially with this subject matter, I didn't need more... Comedy, Yeah. Um, yeah There's another quote from, from Kim Barker when she was talking about when they, like, they said that Antina is involved and mm-hmm. there were all these people. Um, she said, the thing I feared most is that we would be anchorman in Afghanistan. <laughs> oh. A silly comedy. That's not my story. Yeah.
1: No, I, I for me, they told that line really well. Where yeah. I did understand that a war environment wasn't just completely heavy all the time I liked it there was that comedy party aspect I liked hearing about the military support of this movie about the Pentagon support because it is something where they're just trying to show the life behind it and not kind of hammer down the drama and death because like people they said like people can't survive in those conditions if it's like that all the time. There it has to be some aspect of, like, why you're doing this, which is normally for life and for comedy and for fun and for relationships. Um, so I thought that they handled that very well. Um, getting into some more about the directing, the production, where this was made, how it was edited, all of those chunks of this film. Um, there's a bunch of entries online you can find from, like, um, what was it? No no film or something. Uh, we, there was
0: a No Film School. No, no film, film School. school. Had, a, had a good article.
1: Really good article. Um, basically talking about the struggles they had with budget creating this atmosphere. They were not... For the most part, in Afghanistan, they were in. That was
0: shocking to me. <laughs> they yeah. did the, the production design mm-hmm. and just locations did a phenomenal job.
1: Yeah, and we're talking about Albuquerque. They created, what was it? Uh, their sets that were about two blocks, I want to like, say. Like they said
0: two blocks in like a circle. Yeah. That <laughs> they could just like drive around in, a, you know, in like, the
1: same circle. Aaron
0: Sorkin style. Yeah. The walk and talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the drive-in yell. Yeah.
1: But it's just, it's just the same sets going around and around. Yeah. Because yeah. that's what they had. Because
0: well, that's all you need. Like, when you're looking, especially out of a car mm-hmm. window, like, if you see, a, like, just people mulling about, like, you're not hyper-focused on what's in the background as long as what's in the foreground is engaging you. Yeah. So there's no reason why they couldn't just, like, reuse the same streets. I think they, they referred to it as Flintstones. Like it was like, a, yeah, it was Fakara. said so it's like a Flintstones episode. <laughs> uh,
1: driving past the same background over and over. They also use techniques like using B-roll from other Paramount movies and stock footage. At any moment there are about 1,200 or 300 visual effects shots in the wow. movies. In this movie, um, from little things everywhere like ads subtractions fixes anything they could do they did things like trying to not film or photograph mesas in Albuquerque because even though there are some in Afghanistan they thought it felt too American they used 25,000 pounds of dust wow Supposedly, he had one bag left at the very end. They were just tons of dust just Frame to it. try to get this feeling. Yeah,
0: they should have fr- like yeah. pour, just poured it in like just, one of those glass like cylinders, and like they do like, for weddings now.
1: Like the sand from everywhere. Yeah. Just this is the dust from the movie. <laughs> How pretty, but. Also, they had a lot of work with the military. Um, one of their producers had a relationship, that would be Ian Bryce, um, from the military because of all of his work with um, Michael Bay. So since he's already done yeah. all these huge budget movies with the military, he just That was another name
0: that, like, caught me up It's was like, Ian Bryce? Like, <laughs> that's the guy that, he does Transformers. Right. Like, his mm-hmm. name on this project, like, between him and Lauren Michaels, I was like... Who
2: produced
0: this? Like, it is a
2: fascinating happening? conglomeration. Yeah. It's
0: really interesting. Um, but it makes sense. like when you when you look at the end product and look at like mm-hmm. who's behind it, like it all makes sense. Yes. It all like you can feel everybody's hand in this. Yeah. And you
1: can feel who like brought everyone else with them. Yeah. Like who is connected, whether it be like my Robbie getting pulled in by the directing team because she like talks to them about scripts on set? Like everyone was kind of like, we kind of know each other. Mm-hmm. Meet, make a movie. Right.
0: It's like I wonder if the first day on set was like that awkward moment when like two groups of your friends are yeah. meeting for the first time. You're like, oh god, I hope it's this like, goes well. I brought
1: this person <laughs> and this person to the party. Who'd you bring?
2: I hope they started with the party scene because that would be the perfect way just to break down all. Like barriers and hesitations. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: So also involved, so the military was very involved. That's how they got the helicopter shoots and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it,
0: was, it looked like it, it, they had to have military involvement. <laughs> yeah.
1: And then um, the Pentagon was really happy, especially with the messages about amputees and vets and yeah. what was like a war zone. So all that was really applauded. The air place that was helpful was Kirtland Air Force Base in Albuquerque. So okay. they were right there to be convenient to help out... Which is, and the the section of the base is called, that they called Bagram Airfields. So also the second AD was a lieutenant colonel. Nice. In the Marines, so he was chasing accuracy. Although, according to IMDb, they weren't completely accurate with their uniforms, rankings, and what the people were calling themselves. There I guess was some.
0: There was something. One thing I noticed that seemed like, and I don't know. Like I'm going to say it straight up, like mm-hmm. I don't know military protocol or like dress code, anything like that. But there was this one moment when they the Marine, like, strike team is boarding the helicopter to go save Ian. Mm-hmm. And it didn't look like any of them were wearing body armor. It looked like they just had, like, the, like, regular military, mm-hmm. like, jumpsuits on. And I'm like, they should be wearing a lot more armor. Yeah.
1: Like this is for me. I don't. I don't notice all the little details. I didn't either. Like I that was the only one that jumped you. out at
0: me. Only because I'm like you're going to like storm a base. Yeah. And it looks like you're just like going for a jog with a gun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> for me, it just worked enough because like I have family that was in the military. I have family that went to Iraq and Afghanistan, and I have cousin Marines, all that stuff. And all the stories I ever heard about the war were always ridiculous. So this kind of worked for me, like, from the fact that all of his rain buddies have, like, tattoos of penguins on yeah. their arms. <laughs> and to, like, hold, like they were in charge of, I guess, um, I don't even know, whatever. They are in charge of, like, getting palaces and setting up barriers and the amount of time that you're kind of just, like... Waiting around. Yeah. And doing random things, like...
2: Um, when I read that this was shot in New Mexico, I was astounded. They did mm-hmm. such a great job with this production design. And when you think that like this is the same New Mexico that like Breaking Bad takes <laughs> place in, <laughs> it shows you how important mm-hmm. and um, like hardworking and incredible these production designers are. Because those are two totally different locales. So props to this whole production thought, team. Yeah, yeah,
1: the production looked great. Uh, I don't think there's too much. We normally do a section on... Wardrobe and makeup. I don't think there's too much involved with yeah. this one besides, like, the most standout piece is probably the blue burka, the, the burka. most vibrant thing in yeah. probably the entire movie, which is just ironic. And because the armor
0: like, thing, like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't mean to make a big deal of it. It's just like, exactly, it's, it's, it's like a weird little thing that I just like, I noticed, and I like, yeah. in the scene, I was just like. That's
1: Wait a minute. Odd. No,
0: I think it, was, it honestly could have even come down just like a yeah. budget thing.
1: Yeah. And which supposedly they didn't have too much of. Um, the quote, we do have a quote for Tina Fey on the wardrobe. Yeah. As the greatest wardrobe of all time because it was so comfortable it was like bloodstone fat boots jeans oversized jackets Uh, i was the happiest i've ever been in any wardrobe ever
2: (laughs) well if you think about it the one scene where she could have been like glammed up and had to have spent hours in makeup and hair and would have been the wedding and her character didn't know she was supposed to dress up so tina Fey probably read that in the script and was like
0: hell yeah she's
1: like this is for me yeah fantastic. I mean, she wore mostly
0: sweatshirts through all of uh, 30 Rock. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Just saying.
1: She said even more so than 30 Rock. I don't know. I guess
0: 30 Rock did have her in some ridiculous costumes here and there. Right. Right.
1: Probably more heels, too, you know.
0: Um, This
1: this was for comfort. comfort. The burka
2: scene, I don't know if we're waiting to talk about it. No, No, yeah, bring it up. That was so great. That was probably the hardest I laughed, and it was that, like, perfect kind of sardonic, like, Socially important Robert Carlock humor that I love because it played out exactly like every sexy makeover scene you've seen in any movie. Like it was like the conventions and the way it was shot felt like it could have been like Jennifer Love Hewitt walking down a staircase in the nineties. You me, know,
1: it, we're talking about the entrance in in the wardrobe where she it's like kind of slow mo and everyone's looking. Yeah, it reminded me of Miss Congeniality uh-huh. Sandra Bullock coming out. Yeah, where it's like so pretty and then just at the end you hit a wall kind right?
2: Of. and like what a beautiful way to kind of both mind comedy but also criticize these crazy standards for women in the Middle East because I just felt like that was I think my favorite scene in the movie I don't know how you guys felt but it was
0: good it, it was poignant but again this was one of the parts that I laughed because it's yeah. silly it's silly but it has a point right Yeah,
1: I thought the whole section of her in that garb was poignant yeah. from the fact that they started with such kind of like a light funny approach to the end where she does r- risk the life of herself and those around her by going into something she wasn't like yeah. i know that that was an added scene that is not from truth they that for oh, okay um, that's
0: interesting i was one want- i was actually wondering about that one
1: yeah that one supposedly uh where she goes up she enters the all men type of rally uh, that is not true but i liked How they really included kind of a spectrum for that section of the movie. And it made a really strong point. Mm -hmm. And it also moved your plot along because it, it made sense. Like, what would, like, how she was reacting, what she was causing, what was happening to her, this adrenaline, this unsafe nature. And how, for me, it kind of already crossed the line when she enters into the gun shooting and the bombing in the beginning with the camera. I was like, I know. What are you doing? But they're like and then it was like, oh great. And then this is too far.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I actually thought in this scene, I thought Fahim might like get killed. I know, I was worried. Or he's like mauled or something. Like when he's like trapped outside the van yeah. for like a moment, I legitimately was like, Oh no, Fahim. No, get in the car. Get in. Okay, okay.
1: But in isn't that kind of great? Like I No, lo- I was scared for yeah, that character. I love mm-hmm. when movies can actually make you feel like something's gonna happen to one of your leads. Yeah. And I think it did that really, really well. Alright, so We've talked a lot about more about this movie. Let's talk about a more technical thing editing. So, I think we both found this this article shocked me. Go ahead.
0: Shocked me. Uh, Well, no, I mean, they edited it on Final Cut X? Yes.
1: (laughs) X? Yes. So, not only did they edit this movie on Final Cut X, but they also supposedly edited Focus. On Final Cut X. But they say that there's a lot of benefits to it, That them being Fikara. He has come out and said that they really do approve this method. I think we have a picture. Um, but they said that a lot of the tool sets are really helpful. Um, one of the quotes is, it's what they intended it it gives you, um, you're watching the director's cut almost right away, and it's saving a lot of time. And as we know in film, time saves money, which is a big thing. Um, they were able to edit in full resolution with 2K. Um, we, they acted at their own laboratory because they stored a copy of the original files in the editing room. So they weren't paying the lab for pulls to do effects. They could generate their own DCPs quickly and easily, um, so they could do screenings at any moment which is great. The audio tool was advanced enough where they didn't have to go into Pro Tools and back. So that's a time sec that they avoided. And they said everything was kind of all in the family and that, again, felt like film school. They were all under one roof. They were working together toward the same goal and worked incredibly quickly and collaboratively so everyone could talk to everybody. They weren't spread across the earth trying to do these things. So as much as Final Cut X might seem shocking there I seem to be very happy with it.
0: Yeah, I mean look, at the end of the day, like mm-hmm. however you can best use a system, like like there's nothing, like uh, the effects are not being done inside Final Cut. <laughs> right. Like the effects are done in, I don't even know what they would have used in this movie, but like I- movie. Um, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, it, like at a certain point, you're just assembling a movie from like shot and then shot and then shot. Yeah. Transition shot, a story. Transition, shot. And, like, if it it works for them, it works for them. Like, personally, I edit on Adobe Premiere because it's become this immensely powerful program, especially when you're dealing with web video. Mm -hmm. And it's just, like, you need to just, like, crank through things. Um, I I haven't done much with Final Cut X because it's not a system that, like, I'm used to.
1: Yeah, and it was criticized for a while. (laughs) What? A lot of people didn't like it. Uh,
0: They still are like, why is this a thing? But um, it's why Premiere has taken off so much is mm-hmm. because it uh, in the absence of a new final cut in that style, in the style of seven, um, people were like, well, we're going elsewhere. We um, but it is interesting to hear that people that there are true professionals making good quality movies in uh, what it like in a more in a different yeah type of editing. System. Well,
1: it just goes to the argument that you hear all of the time right now, which is that if you want to make a movie, almost every director will tell you to go out there and make it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: They're, people are just like, from sh- movies like, what was it, Tangerine, Tangerine. that we saw on the iPhone. It. Like, these systems are becoming more available, less expensive, easier to get. Almost every director you'll hear an interview of, if they say they have any d- advice, it's that to just go out there and make whatever you think you've been making because you can get the quality pretty high. And it's just this thing shoots 4k yeah yeah
0: like this device in my hand shoots 4k that's double what they're talking about yeah like shooting this movie in uh i'm sure they shot it in high resolution than the yeah. 2k they were um, doing cuts in but like 2k is what you see on normal tv yeah. like these are all 1080 that's night so which is 1920 it's so that's what they're talking about with 2k like your iphone does double
1: so if, you're, if like, you're on here, if you're watching us because you love film and you have something you want to make, just go make it. It's right. just I'm sorry, I exclaim
0: because a... I still don't like fully like comprehend I that know. fact. It's, it's nuts, crazy, but like it is. I mean, you could just do anything, and that's why they they were able to pull this off. For, uh, what was the final budget on this one?
1: We are going to get to the budget of thirty-five million. That's right. estimated. That's pretty
0: low. Yeah, and also yeah, that's a, that's surprising because. There are very few movies made for that budget. It's a weird anymore. budget in today's climate. Yeah, it wasn't like 10 years ago. Like, that was like an st- average mm-hmm. movie. Like, now it's like 2 million or 100 million and nothing hundred, in the middle. Yes,
1: that's thing. Very all of Lauren's
0: movies, about- though, are mid budget.
2: Like, they're almost always between 20 and 40. Which all is whose? Lauren. Like, Lauren, any Brown Comedies video
0: Comedies tend to be a little bit different just yeah. because it's like it, the bulk of the budget winds up being your actors. Right. Um, so that that varies, but yeah, like a drama like this yeah. doesn't usually a military.
1: Have They're usually work. like,
0: maybe we'll give you five yeah. if you can get it done.
1: All right. Well, before we get into all of the box office numbers and all that, we do have a couple. One more thing that I wanted to address, which was the sound and music. Uh, typically, there are movies where soundtrack kind of fades into the background for me, or. Or the opposite where you see Deadpool and it was fantastic. For me, one of the lowest points of this movie was the soundtrack. It bothered me. Um, I thought that they chose a sound that was, for me, I think that they were going for a comedic approach to the normal war um, scenario movie from when they're like... Uh, picking up ian from being kidnapped and it's it's not intense music it's like some song with lyrics about like love or relationships or something Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it didn't strike a chord enough for me for it to a lot of the music wasn't recognizable except for jump around right um and it didn't hit strong enough as like this is the polar opposite this is funny and fun in a deathly situation i just wasn't it was so present that I could hear it, and it was distracting, hmm. but it wasn't strong enough that I was like, intentional. it's ironic and funny. Yeah. It just didn't get me.
2: Hmm. I, it's funny. I hear what you're saying, where if you're going to employ music, it either needs to be complimentary or it needs to be super intentional. Like There needs to be a reason for it. I was not distracted by it, so I didn't have the same response you did. There was never a moment. Editing is the same way for me, where like both music, editing, and production design all of that never took me out of the movie. So I mm-hmm. don't have the same criticism you do. I don't know how you feel, Zach. I didn't really notice it to be no, honest. It's just me. Yeah, no, that's fine. Me. I mean that's what this is yeah, for. But no,
1: if you go and watch it again, I was just kind of like, Why why is this song in here? Like I I think you're you're trying to be different. Yeah. You're trying to do something different, but it's it's not working for It me. didn't work for you. And it really pulled me out. If I had to my criticisms of the movie kind of boil down to I really liked the chunk of once she was in Afghanistan with the soldiers. Mm-hmm. I got really interested as soon as she started interviewing. And for the middle chunk, I was liked a lot of the themes, liked a lot of the characters, wasn't involved in the meeting, didn't like the music, and thought a lot of the end could be moved to after credits and you could have ended with, like, the vet or something. Hmm.
2: Yeah, if, if we're going to talk a little bit about structural issues we have yeah. with the movie, I kind of, and you guys are probably going to disagree with me on this, which is fine, I sort of wish this movie was a little more structured. And I know some people have really responded to it because it wasn't. It really was just one woman. It's a portrait of a woman in her time in, you know, a fish out of water kind of story. I kind of would have been interested to see this movie be more of like... You mentioned Fargo. I almost wish... Like, I was thinking, what if this movie was about the kidnapping? And it was more of a stakesy plot-driven movie it's because the original movie was called like the Taliban shuffle. Mm-hmm. I think all through development, I expected it to be like a very structured, um, you know, like plot oriented stakesy goal kind of movie. And I kind of think maybe cause I went in expecting that I sort of wish it would have been that instead of sort of this just journey kind of narrative.
0: I mean, I liked this structure because it, it did still have the like three act structure mm-hmm. built in and, yeah, the like the the back half of the movie was slower. Like the second act, like slowed down. A lot. Yeah. but that was sort of like it was it was the point. Like, True to The life. whole point was that Afghan, like her time in Afghanistan was not just ratcheting up and up and up and up until mm-hmm. kidnapping, and then we have to leave because I can't take this anymore. It was, right. I'm in. This is like what I've been searching for my whole life, and then it hits a wall at a certain point where because we as a country stopped paying attention all of a sudden she didn't have anything to do right and it became a question of what like if you felt like well what is the point of her doing anything right now well that's because that's what the character was going through the right. character was going through a, a crisis of what am i like no Who one cares I? what i'm doing here anymore Because yeah. she found the thing that defined her mm-hmm. and then nobody cared right and that's I can't imagine dealing with that.
1: Yeah, I didn't mind the slowness. I yeah. I really liked the center chunk of this movie. Mm-hmm. It's not quite just the second act. It's a little bit before the second act, a little bit after. But I felt like I could just trim off the ends. I didn't need as much. Um, I also thought there was an the interesting play of since they gave you the opening scene of the party that was in a year. Yeah, it was so many. I I didn't. There wasn't a lot of. Um, Risk or fear or anything attached because I knew we had a couple more years of her being there. Right. I knew what she was going to progress to from being, from knowing the language, kind of knowing her way around all of these things um, that there wasn't a lot of like stakes. suspense. Yes. Or stakes. Because I was like, oh, I know, I know she's going to be here. I know she's still going to be here in this many years and I know that somehow there's going to be a bomb at that point. Or... Like, that's... Yeah, I think I
2: would have liked some more stakes. And your point is true, Zach, that, like, it was was about her journey. And all that being said, I loved how original this movie was. And because it was about a woman in Afghanistan, that was enough for me that it was, like, pretty badass. And, like, I was along for the ride. Had this movie been about the journey of a straight white male having the same kind of internal existential problems, I don't know if I would have been on
0: board. Well, it wouldn't have been the same. I mean, that's the thing. Like, Hmm. gender does play into a story. Yeah, oh, for sure, it does. And this was this story was part of what made the story so good was because it was about a woman, and that not just like oh, it's a woman's story, it's a female story. No, it's because it's not a woman's story. It's a
1: fish out of water story. Yeah, Yeah.
0: And Yeah. and. you talk about and like when you when you're making a movie when you're writing especially uh, comedy and like not that this is a comedy thing but you you always go to the extreme the extreme is always where you want to go and if you got to pull it back you pull it back right but, like the extreme of being a fish out of water in this scenario is being a woman because half the people in the country won't look at you or right. talk to you like we saw it when she goes to see um, Alfred Molina's character mm-hmm. like he doesn't acknowledge her yeah. for like a solid two minutes like he's just talking to Fahim even answering her questions sort of Mm -hmm. but without addressing her
1: yeah Uh, and that was very like touchy to watch but in a good way yeah that's
2: those scenes rang really strongly with me
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so we've talked a lot about this movie we are now going to get into some numbers Mm -hmm. Before we move on, as we've said before, the budget was not many
0: numbers. Unfortunately.
1: Not not many numbers. No, the budget was thirty-five million for opening weekend. You had an, as, tracking stated that it was going to be around ten to twelve million, and it was over in, over two thousand theaters, which is a very wide release. Um, big movies normally range from about twenty-two mm, hundred to thirty-five hundred theaters. Um, all of those are like. Movies that are getting marketing, getting commercials, getting anything like that.
2: The Hunger Games, for example.
1: Yes. Um, so had plenty of room to gain money, but really didn't. Its opening weekend only came in at seven million. So if, if it was supposed to do ten to twelve, that's like, it's oh, not good. It did come up against Zootopia, which pulled in a ton of audience, but this one just really, really didn't get the people excited yeah. and I think that Jeff you had an article about some of the notes on why I think it was the rap, it was the rap said yeah. that it didn't do too well did yeah. you want to tell us some of them?
2: well yeah first of all from a personal standpoint I had a problem with the title of this movie um, I've always felt like when you're titling a movie you should be able to just say the title and someone should at least have an idea of what the movie's about or you can't really expect numbers because like, if you go to like some family in Idaho and say, would you see a movie called Whiskey Tango Foxtrot? They probably assume it's going to be like Richard Gere teaching someone dance lessons or something. (laughs) Like, there's just no resonant... The movie was originally called The Taliban Shuffle, which, while maybe a polarizing title, at least gives you a sense of what you're going to see. So I don't know how you guys feel about that. From a personal standpoint, I don't think the title
0: of the movie is very good. I I liked the title but as i say that i also acknowledge like it is confusing right to most people which is
2: maybe the point which it's is thematically a f- true
0: yeah I've,
1: i think that from a marketing standpoint the whiskey tango foxtrot has gotten a lot of buzz for the wtf mm-hmm. i do think that it's a it for me if i just had a, a list of titles it would be interesting I don't know that I particularly fits this. Right. I know that HBO supposedly is also supposed to come out with something called Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Yeah. Um, I think that I don't want to bash the title. I don't know what the title added to this movie besides people talking about WTF and it being good for like Twitter.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think... Uh- creatively like i liked it like if we if there, you were making a, if you had like a list of like 10 titles for this mm-hmm. movie this would probably be amongst my favorites like that's yeah. funny that's yeah. like yeah it, you're saying wtf without saying it great um but it is because like not everybody knows necessarily what that stands for i'm always a little yeah. surprised nowadays when people don't but like i see it sometimes like people are asked like um we see it in like chat roles on like after buzz shows like yeah. people are like what's wtf now? really but, still yeah, I mean not everybody is, not everybody knows that. Yeah. And like if you're trying to market a mass appeal movie, mm-hmm. right. it need the title is your book cover. And like as much as like we want to say don't judge a book by its cover, like that right. is how you judge. Yeah. That is yeah. the first thing that you look at cuz like that's all you've got. If you're looking at a list of movies, like what am I going to see this week? Zootopia, I get it. I know exactly what I'm in for with right. like that. Whiskey Tangle Foxtrot, WTF is that.
2: Yeah, it's an example of probably, it comes from Robert Carlock's Genius. Like, it's a great title for what the movie is. Is it gonna, like, attract my parents to go see it? Probably it's a, not. It's a smart
0: title. It's not a marketing title. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think that, we, we've we talked about this earlier, how um, the writing in this really tried to push Tina Fey mm-hmm. to a different genre. And it was also bringing in, the comedy aspect to war. Both of those things are not something that people are automatically familiar with right. or recognize, like, as what to expect when they go see that movie. And I think sometimes that, that can be deterring. And I think that's what happened for this movie. No one really was like, well, if it's a drama, do we know that Tina Fey can do a drama? That's not, an, for a lot of audience, that's not for sure. Then you have the other side where it's like, well, maybe it's Tina Fey and a comedy, but is a comedy really going to work for Afghanistan? Hmm. And then what this movie did well and why I did like it was it did blend those two together where it wasn't a straight comedy and Tina did rise to the occasion of adding the dramatic elements. So what they did worked, but you only know that by seeing the movie and you don't know what to expect in the movie, because I think subconsciously it could easily fail for someone. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, I don't want to see people laughing about war, like over the top, like Anchorman as Anchorman in Afghanistan. Or I, what if Tina Fey It's not her element? Right. I mean, it didn't do that. It defied those, but there has to be a reason why people don't go to see this movie. Well, I think
0: it's like the movie did defy those expect expectations, mm-hmm. but people, the audience, still had those expectations. So, yeah. yes, once you see the movie, those don't those go away, but it doesn't change the fact that when you're deciding where to spend your twelve dollars, yeah, and that's the other thing. It's like to
1: fifteen in L.A. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
0: it, like. The, the price that movies are at nowadays plays a factor. And that's why budgets are so polarized generally is because it's hard for most people to justify spending $12 mm-hmm. on a movie like this. Yeah. Cause like when, when there are stuff, when there are big movies coming out like Zootopia, where you're like, you want to bring your, you want to bring kids. If you have kids, yeah. you want to like, or if you're just a, an adult who is very childish, yeah. um, and or you're saving up your money for the slew of summer movies that are big hits that like everybody needs to see cuz then everyone's going to be talking about. It. No nobody's like oh, you haven't it's, seen Whiskey Tango Foxtrot exactly. yet. Exactly.
1: No one's going to hold it against you. It's not a huge topic of conversation as yeah. far as films come come and go. Uh, the reception on Rotten Tomatoes as of yesterday had 62% for critic score and 65% for the audience <laughs> who, not not great, not horrible, right? Lukewarm, as you put it, I believe Jeff. Like, or, yeah. Or, like, and I think, I think my review's probably around there. I think that it's better than people than I expected. I think it's better than most people would expect, but it is not a film that's going to go down as probably a model for other films or as the strongest performance from. A comedy from or from Tina Fey.
2: I do feel yeah. like this is the kind of movie that could sneak in a Golden Globe nomination for Tina Fey, though, because like it's if it's built as a comedy, yeah. we're gonna have which, five, it, which
0: it will absolutely will be, and right. like there there are arguments for and against Martian, but like in a world where Martian is right. a comedy, this absolutely this is, a is. it's the funny. kind
2: of movie. Like I think I think she deserves to because I think her performance was great. I feel like I've been a little critical, but I did like this movie a lot, and I think. In terms of a Tina Fey star vehicle, it's a pretty important film in her... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Career? Career, I guess.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I mean, she made a point to say like, that she does, this doesn't mean she's going to do more drama or wants to transition yeah. to doing hard drama. It was just like a case-by-case. Case. Like, I like this story. Mm-hmm. I want to do this story. She'll pr- be back to doing silly stuff. I'm and sure.
1: normally when you attack a project with that in mind, that you just like it... It turns out well. Yeah, right.
0: that's like, that's yeah. what everybody should be striving for. <laughs> right. Like Hollywood, listen, <laughs> just like the stuff you're making, right? Just enjoy it for like part of the time you're doing it, and you'll get a good movie.
1: Yeah, which this does, don't, does too. Don't
0: make stuff you already hate,
1: or that you think you have to make because yeah. it's going to turn out a, a money. Yep. Then it'll turn out some money, but no.
2: Right. Yeah. In right. terms of what you were saying um, about Sarah, I, mm. for those of you who are listening, I'm being vague. Um, you were saying you went in and it was better than you thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I kind of had the opposite thing where I went Ooh. in, which is my fault. For I should just learn to go into movies with no expectations, but I'm so bad at doing that.
1: It's so hard for everyone. Yeah. I'm not so, alone.
0: Look at the month this came out in. Yeah, measure. You're right. Yeah, that's true. Measure <laughs> your expectations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but I, um,
2: was, I probably would have expected this movie from the beginning to be, like, a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, and then I went in, and it just wasn't quite what I was hoping, but...
1: Ah, what an interesting way to phrase it. If I were going to phrase it like that, I would have expected... I thought, before actually looking at the Rotten Tomatoes ratings, that people were giving it more of, like, a 40 or 50. Yeah. So I went in, and I was like, oh, this is much better than what people are saying. Yeah,
0: yeah. So you looked at the score. Uh, see, I-, I
1: didn't look at the scores. That's just, like, word of mouth.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, yeah, because I went in not having... I didn't see... I hadn't seen any reviews. Like, I managed to mm-hmm. avoid it, which is how I prefer to see movies. It's like, if I can manage, I try to get in before I hear all the, like, mm-hmm. opinions... So that I can try to form my own, <laughs> right? And then have it corrupted later. Yeah, wonderful. Um, <laughs> um, no,
2: but I think the movie was better than a sixty-one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Is what I think. I'm. I feel like critics have been a little hard on this movie. Personally, I'd give it like a B for me. Yeah, I'd I know we're it. not supposed to give scores, aren't we? But um,
1: as long as we're not leading with this is why this is why, I think yeah, it's yeah, fine. And yeah. a cinema score did give it a B. Okay, so that's, that's on par. Yeah, but I think that
0: I give it four out of five popcorn kernels. <laughs> nice. <laughs>
1: I don't think any of us is going in being like, this movie was a waste of time. Oh, no. I think there's a lot of good points. Mm-hmm. I think that their, their strongest point for me was some of the story elements and themes and messages, right. which is always great to see a movie and some strong performances. Um, and it, it did better than expectations so that's kind of my final thought if there's any other facts you guys have or any anything you felt I skipped over feel free if not please just tell everyone where they can find you yeah. on Twitch and stuff like
0: um, that I mean if I if, if somehow you've made it to this point and haven't seen this movie <laughs> um, well, there's always like one or two people who are like I was just watching this review I haven't seen the movie it's Like, you should Go see the movie. That's true. Um, but you know, it was I thought this was a good movie. It was great for the material that that it was, and I thought it hit good points everywhere, and it managed to tell an important story. Maybe it's not a unique story, but I thought it handled it in a unique way that makes it more watchable for even though it didn't find its wider audience, it would have a more it is more palatable. For a wide audience, and I think that that is its biggest achievement is getting you these very important part like stories about the world in a way that is more easily digested than mm-hmm. like this is depressing. War is the worst thing ever
1: because
0: mm-hmm. I can't handle. <laughs> I know, I, like you can only do that so many times before I'm just like, oh my god, the world sucks. Yeah,
2: <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I um, definitely liked this movie. There's truth to the fact that going to see a movie. About a woman in Iraq or, or not or Afghanistan, sorry. is just refreshing. You, that doesn't happen. So like from this movie could have been worse, and I probably still would have liked it because it was different, you know? Because that's just that doesn't happen in movies enough. <laughs> um, so I would definitely recommend this movie. Um, I love Tina Fey, admittedly, but this was a great performance for her, and I think everyone involved should be really proud of what they made. I think. Yeah, definitely.
1: All right, all right. So thank you guys so much for watching us here on the Popcorn Talk Network. We are Anatomy of a Movie. We dissect every genre, all the films that come out. The year is winding up normally. Oh, and... The, and this is the song. This is, is, is the song. I totally from hear the you.
2: My instant thought was, this doesn't fit, which is hilarious because that was the exact point exactly. that you made.
1: Exactly. <laughs> um, no, but we love to talk about movies, and we love for you guys to talk about it with us. So, as always, please continue commenting, rating, subscribing, all of that stuff. You can find me at Sarah underscore Stretton, or on Box Office Breakdown, or on via Rich and Soon on the Game of Thrones After Show and After Buzz. Ooh. Uh,
0: well, you guys can find me on. On uh, Twitter and Instagram at that Zach Wilson, T H A T Z A C H W I L S O N, and uh, occasionally on uh, Marvel Movie News as the Voice of Doom, <laughs> um, and over on AfterBuzz talking about all kinds of television. Agents of Shield just came back. Better Call Saul is going strong, and Daredevil season two comes back next Woo-hoo. week. Stay tuned for scheduling on that one.
2: Yes, and you guys can follow me on Twitter at Jeffrey C Graham and on Instagram at Jeffrey Crane Graham. Thanks so much for tuning in.